There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV friends. Pastor Mike with you today on WCN TV. Thanks for joining me. You're going to really appreciate my guest today. I, I, I read his book and I've got to tell you something. You're going to want to pick up a copy. We'll get into that in a moment. One of my favorite Bible verses, as, as many of you know, is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And it reads thusly, he made him who knew no sin to be sent on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I call this the great exchange. The father took our filthy rags, our rotten flesh, and gave us the holy and righteous robes of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the best news ever, friends. This exchange takes place by faith alone and Christ alone. It doesn't happen by your efforts, your works, your good intentions, and most certainly not by your power or strength. We are cleansed and made righteous by the grace of God through faith. The Apostle Paul reminded the Galatian brethren that they began their life in Christ by faith, and it will be perfected and made sure by faith, not by their works. Now, that is not to say that God is not at work in us always, because he is. But sanctification, friends, begins by grace, and it is sustained by the grace of God. Now, what does that mean for us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it means that we must believe God's promises toward us and embrace the plan that he reveals to us. And yes, God is in the plan revealing business. We're already overcomers, friends, by God's promises and Christ's work on our behalf. What remains for us is to believe and walk those promises out. And we're going to talk about that today with, with my guest, pastor, author, radio host, Carl Clausen. Carl has written a fantastic book that gives needed insights and i'm just going to hold it up to the screen here and i know producer has uh, has the link there but but pastor carl gives us 
many needed insights into breaking free from, from the lies, the deceptions, the bondages that the enemy of our souls uses to keep us from experiencing the power of God in us. Carl is the pastor of 180 Church Chicago. He's the morning host of Carl and Crew on Moody Radio, and I am so blessed and thankful to have him join me today. Welcome, Carl. Thank you so much, Mike. It's just a joy to be with you. It really is. Well, I, I appreciate just knowing you and going through the book. I could tell we're kindred spirits because <laughs> um, I've been saved for 39 years and been involved in ministries of various degrees for 35 years oh and pastor for 25 years of those 35 years. And so when, when you spoke before we went on the air that the Father has captured your heart for discipleship. Yes. That, that rang true with me, brother. That, that that thrilled me to hear that, in fact. Yeah, and it's, Mike, I got to tell you, having, having um, you know, I was radically transformed by Jesus in 1984. I like to say, though, I was saved twice. I got my theology straight, so everyone hold your breath here. <laughs> I was saved once from uh, my penalty of sin and damnation by the grace of God. But then I started buying a lie, Mike, and it's all across American Christianity. And I think it's unique to the Western world, mainly because we don't have the kind of persecution that drives us into sustained dependence, like some of our brothers and sisters yeah. do around the world. Yeah. But I had to get saved from a self-laboring sanctification. Mm -hmm. And it's out of the pit of hell. Yeah. It gets you nowhere. I can't be strong enough to say um, there's a lot of people out there, Mike, saved uh, by the grace of God, and yet they've never taken the step of discipleship or they've turned it into an informational exercise rather than a transformational exercise. And we become almost like twice the sons of hell. We're getting all knowledged up, but nothing's changing. That's right. So that's yeah, right. I I mean you you just like a I like a wind up doll or something. You let <laughs> me go on discipleship and we'll talk about it all yes. time. Yes. Well, I liken that that whole mindset, belief, and 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 really bondage, it's bondage to to yeah. a performance treadmill. And yes, and, and, and folks, when you get this picture in your mind, you get on a treadmill and you're working, 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 you'll break a sweat and yeah. you'll feel good, but when you step off of that thing. You're going to be the same place you started. So, so we got to get this picture uh, straight about what sanctification is, what decide, what transformation really looks like. Yes. Mike, you and I are brothers here, my friend. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. this is yeah. and this isn't talked about enough. Yeah. Uh, we the subtle subculture is I owe I owe so off to church I go. We trust God's grace to save us, but we've yes. tried to bootstrap sanctification. And it's gotten yeah. us nowhere, Mike. You nailed it. It's gotten us nowhere. It's gotten us, it's gotten us nowhere. I So I want to start our conversation, Carl, because you started your book out with a very powerful, concise, personal mm -hmm. testimony. When God really grabbed a hold of you, when you understood finally, clearly, hey, yeah. Uh, something's got to change. Yeah. It, and I, you know, for a long time, Mike, I did not share this part of my story because I could share, you know, my story pre-Christ. I was a mess. I was, I was raised in the church, by the way, but I had an illusion of salvation. I was a Matthew seven kid. 
I thought I had something I didn't possess. I was a classic Lord, Lord, if I'd have gotten out of here. And he would have said, I I don't know you. So raised in church won't get you there. Um, You know, chartering a plane out of Alaska to go to a Josh McDowell rally in 1975 doesn't make you saved. (laughs) That's Um, right. Even though you're leading the youth group, doesn't mean you're born again. So, you know, I, I mean, my, the, the brief story for me is I ran an 1100 mile dog sled race across Alaska called the Iditarod. And, and in my, in my infinite 18 year old wisdom, I thought that was going to fill the void. So I spent two years training for that. Uh, My heart was shipwrecked and crushed when I came across the finish line, 21 days, eight hours, 12 minutes and 32 seconds after completing that thing, only to find out, uh uh-oh, uh-oh great conquests can't fill what Pascal calls the God-shaped void. And I panicked, Mike. I thought, what in the world am I going to do? And I, it's almost like I heard the voice of God in one ear and the voice of Satan in the other. And that if you read Daniel 10, you'll almost get a picture of the fact that that kind of a spiritual war is real. Yes. And, and I got to tell you, I, um, I went out and sowed crazy wild oats for three, four years and wild oats breed, breed bad oats. And, uh, February 11th of 1984, God saved me. He reached into the cab of my car. Here I am. Here I am. I've got such a cocaine habit in a matter of four years, Mike, that I could not stop my nosebleeds. I would just spontaneously nosebleed. And, and I, and I couldn't stop it and I couldn't stop myself. And I, I just was desperate. And God said, are you done yet? And February 11th of 18, sometimes I feel that old, 1984, <laughs> um, I surrendered to Jesus. But you know what? I didn't choose him. He chose me. Amen. And I wasn't in church. I'm driving down a road in Anchorage, Alaska, minding my own business. But I mean, oh, my goodness, I had made a mess out of my life. But God redeemed me radically. But now I go to the story in the book and the the first part of that book, Mike, is after I was radically transformed. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say this. In fact, I got a question for you, Mike. Why do we often try to hide the utter failings that we have post-Christ? And don't you think it's because we have this performance mentality? We kind of got to keep it up, right, Mike? That's right. We got an image. Yeah, we got an image. Yeah, we don't want people to know we're weak. No. And so for, for years, I never shared this story, but man, I share it freely now. Yes. One of my biggest drug face plants was three weeks after I was born again. And some people might be going, come on, man, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. I got my theology straight. I was just, I was just young and undiscipled. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I thought immediately, well, here's what happened. Get saved by the radical grace of God, and within a week, I'm marking up Romans so much I might as well dip the whole yeah. book in a bucket of yellow paint. <laughs> and I am growing, and I mean, I'm growing leaps and bounds. Now all the verses I memorized when I was in Boys Brigade now make sense. They didn't make sense before, so now all everything's coming back, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and I'm on fire. But now I've already bought the Western mindset lie. God saves me. Now I better go be a good Christian. Yeah. And then I did a face plant. I was getting off work one night, Friday night. Guys asked me out to go out to a watering hole. I was, I was a carpenter by trade. I got work immediately after I'm born again. I go from Anchorage, Alaska down to central California. That's why I'm down there looking for a new job. Find it. I'm two weeks framing this health club. 
second Friday, invite me out to a watering hole. And I think in my wisdom, I'll have a seven up. Well, I got there and I had a wine cooler and the first sip of that wine cooler and I was gone. I was off to the races. Mike, within five hours, this born again, radically transformed young man is sitting there with a pipe in my hand, smoking crystal meth amphetamine for the first and last time of my life. And I felt like demons were crawling in that place. I didn't know that guy that was sitting across from me. He looked at me. He held this out. He held out this pipe and he said, come here, meet my woman, meet my lover. Wow. He said, you'll love my lover. And I took a hit off that pipe and I, God, by his grace, allowed the, the veil to come down. It's almost like I saw demonic spirits and I'm not a sensational guy that way. I think let's read the Bible and walk with Jesus. Don't be looking for demons everywhere, but they were there. Yeah, Amen. And I get Mike, I got up from there and I ran and I told God, as I knelt beside the bed that I was staying in right before my uncle came around the corner, who was discipling me in a radical Jesus follower. I said, God, you saved me, but kill me because some battles can't be won. And I'm one of them. Yeah. And on that day, God began to show me his grace and power to grow me is the same grace and power that saved me. Yes. And that I couldn't do it in my own, Mike. Yes, that's right. Amen. Amen. And 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 I have to tell you, Carl, I there were so many quote worthy um and I'm gonna read a couple of them during our during our conversation today. But um here is one that jumped off the page at me. Um, you wrote, never measure God and his power to change you yeah. by your current standard of living. Man, oh man, Carl, I, that, that addresses beautifully the, the gap between <laughs> God's promises toward us and our experience. Because we're just scratching our heads sometimes wondering what in the world is, is, is going on. So, so what I mean by that specifically is that Maybe a maybe a I'll pose it as a question. Why, first of all, is there a gap between his promises and our experiences? And and secondly, why is thinking that that we just have to try harder the wrong approach? You know, this try harder thing is not it's 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 not new. What did Paul say in Galatians 3? Who, oh foolish Galatians, he said. What a way to start out a chapter. <laughs> and now it wouldn't have been in a chapter. It would have been one continuous letter. But it, yeah. what a way to transition. Oh, foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? Yes. And he goes on to say this, that that you began in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Why are you working out in the flesh? Yes. And he's, Paul is writing them like they've lost their ever-loving minds. Yeah. So there was an assumption on Paul's part that you either want you either work it out by the power of the spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh and by the way if you walk in the flesh you're going to get deeds of the flesh and that's just two chapters later in galatians right. 5. That's but if right. you walk in the spirit you're going to manifest fruits of the spirit which is also galatians 5. so the problem's always been there i think satan is is tempting us constantly in this mm -hmm. satan yeah. is constantly tempting in this you know it's interesting though we're easily self-deluded. It's C.S. Lewis who said, if you consider the unblushing promises of God, it would not appear that we've shot too high, I think is kind of the, my paraphrase of what he says, but mm -hmm. that we've, and these are his exact words, we've settled too, for too little. 
Amen. And C.S. Yeah. Lewis is right about that. That's right. If you look at it's to God's glory that we bear much fruit, showing to be disciples. Not just bear fruit, bear much fruit. Much fruit. If you look at Joshua 1, and, and although that is spoken to Joshua, it's clearly implied that if we stick our toe in a Jordan by faith, and we go into a new land, there's going to be success and prosperity. Problem is, we've dumbed down those words. I start, I say success and prosperity. You think polyester suits and guys that are asking for a hundred dollar bills so that you can get a thousand back from God. That's what we think about. Yeah. But the fact is, spiritual success and prosperity to find God's way is a richness of heart. Yes. It's a it's a spiritual muscle that can make it through the storms of life. Yes. It's James 1. Consider a pure joy, my brother, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and yeah, perseverance man. must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. That may be an amalgamation, by the way, of ESV, NIV, and New American Standard, because <laughs> I've got them all rattling around here. But, but, you know, the problem is, is that we take the bait of Satan that we need to do it in our strength. Yeah. Or we know that that God has promises for us, but we've we've settled for too little, believing that those must be for the other guy. Yeah. And that's deadly, Mike. Yes, it yes, it is. Well, one of the one of the brilliant things about the book beyond the content is the cover and even the title because it's going to catch people's eyes resolutions well i can make i make resolutions all the time right and yeah. but, but but what you do is you draw them into the narrative and you're laying it out here say listen self-help is a dead-end road it's you're, you're heading down a road to a cul-de-sac you got nowhere else to go you're kind of trapped here so so how about this how about how about you turn to God and let his power that he says is already at your disposal, that power that's already working in you, the Holy Spirit. How about if you turn to him and you commit your ways? On, I don't want to give the whole book away. No, Carl, but no, you can go ahead. I'm not here to sell books. I'm here to sell lives, James. I mean, Amen. I'm old enough. I don't need to sell books. If Amen. we sell books, great. The little pittance I get off this thing, the publishers make all the money. I'm here to make disciples. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So so what we've been talking about so far, friends, and again, uh, there's the book. Uh, let's see if I can get it in the screen. There we go. There's the book right there. The Seven Resolutions, Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. We've been talking about performance, self-help, that, that, that whole attitude. And I think it's it's... Too many Christians, um, they think or they they view God as viewing us based on our performance, and, yeah. and they and they just don't understand that God sees us through Christ. Yes, yeah, Mike. Uh, the the um, the new birth miracle is radical. Paul mm -hmm. says, "I mm -hmm. have been crucified with Christ." He says, Galatians two twenty. It's no longer I who lives, no longer I who lives. But Christ who lives in me, mm -hmm. life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Whoa. Yes. So yeah. right there in one little power pack verse, we've got a clear image of the radical new birth miracle, right? Yes. Um, and, and so, oh, this is cool. We got these hot dogs in the production suite popping up with these passages of scripture here left and right. This is fantastic. <laughs> guys. Um, 
Yep. Yeah. You got a good team here, Mike. Yes, uh, they're great. They're they're a great team, Carl. Oh boy, they're wonderful. So here's the deal, guys. Um, um, guys and gals, everyone watching right now. God by his grace wants to grow us the way he saved us in utter dependence. And I think the lie that we've bought, Mike, is simply this. I think we have we have layered the American dream over the new birth miracle of spiritual regeneration. And we've thought that we've got to make that work. So we've tried to American dream sanctification. The American dream is great. I believe in the human spirit. Human spirit's great, mainly because it's made in the image of God. That's the only thing that makes a human spirit great. But and the human spirit's fantastic. But what we've done is we've layered the American dream that is only about human spirit and tried to get divine things when the only way divine things can happen is by the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So here, that's a great segue, Carl. Here's another quote I grabbed out of your book. Being a disciple or follower of Christ is not a name to claim, yeah. a class to take, or rules to follow. It's a total and complete surrender of your life to the one who makes all things new. It's courageous, honest, brutal, countercultural, and above all, humble. Boy, there, there is a recipe for walking, holding the Father's hand right there, surrendering yourself and walking in humbleness with your God. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift us up. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. You know what? Uh, one of my favorite authors is Andrew Murray. And yes. um, Amen. he wrote a book called Humility. And in it, he says, humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. Hmm. And I got to tell you, Mike, I yes. believe it. I believe Amen. it. I believe Amen. it. I believe humility is the posture for which we grow forward in our relationship with God. And, and um, it's what's powerful. Oh, there you are popping up humility right there. Good grief. This team of yours is something else. <laughs> Look at that, guys. Um, if you want to get a book and you're listening right now, that that five bucks or four fifty nine right there I'm looking at, mm-hmm. that is a great purchase. Yes, um, because here's what here's what Murray does in this thing. He helps us understand that humility. A lot of times we look at humility and we think it's the fruit of the spirit. It's not. It's a choice you make. Mm-hmm. God gives us free will. We can be proud or we can be humble. Yes. Yeah. And, and we we get an opportunity. But humility is posturing ourselves in need before God. And the thing I had to learn is February 11th of 1984. God dropped me to my knees. And then I got up in my strength and I, when I'm preaching, I get on my knees sometimes. I'll say, this is where Jesus saved me. Mm. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you're spiritually bankrupt, now the kingdom shows up. Mm -hmm. But scripture indicates that the way we grow in Jesus is the way we got saved by Jesus in humble dependence. And I tell men, I've gone to, a, I did a men's conference in Williams, Arizona with about 450 men from Scottsdale Bible Church. I mean, Bible Church, man. <laughs> and I, they preached the Bible. And, 
And I, but I said, listen, you can have all the knowledge you want, but until you're walking out that knowledge from a posture on your knees, you don't have a chance of taking hold of God's promises. Mm-hmm. So the gap between between where we are today and the promises of God, it, no matter how big it is, I promise you this, if you're listening, I want to give you some hope right now. If you fall to your knees and you and you you follow on that path less traveled in humble submission to God, you may not travel fast, but you will travel far and mm-hmm. you, will, you will take hold of things you've never seen before. That's right. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's um, touch on a few of these resolutions, yeah. um, Carl, and um, well, we'll go just as far as we have time. So, sure. so, so chapter one, you titled Wrecked, and, and I always like an author um, who uses his own life as an illustration. So, so you talk about a crisis point yeah, in yeah. marriage as an illustration of, of, of God's probing love and his desire to, to move you onto a path that, that is both sustainable and yeah. in harmony with his plan. For you, and that—that that was a brilliant way to start that chapter. Yeah, I, I want to give that story. I don't, I don't want to save anything back. If if God prompts you with something, ask me, Mike. Right. Uh, the the that story in wrecked. We're often 80 20 Christians. Eighty percent of our life is pretty well put together. Twenty percent is lived in the shadows. Sometimes we push it into the shadows and we just ignore it. We deflect it. We blame it on family of origin. We rationalize it we explain it away but it's in the shadows it's undealt with stuff in our life and what i had done as a husband here i am uh, several years just a few years into our marriage i mean let me begin with the end in mind i'm happily married to my bride of 34 years almost 35 and yet our first few years were rough i mean rough we started out our marriage and we um I, her dad married us off and he said, don't let the words divorce come off your lips. And we didn't, Mike, for, for 10 days. <laughs> we, we made it. We made it 10 days, Mike. And then we uh, the word divorce was flying. So, I, you know, we had tough battles in our marriage. I'm a type A personality. I, I smothered her for a while. But little did I know she was just storing explosives. And she would be, she can probably hear me right now. And there's nothing noble about storing explosives, right? Because they're coming out sooner or later. Yeah. But, you know, I, here I am knee deep in a ministry being mentored by Robert Lewis, one of the greatest spiritual leaders on, on, in North America. He was at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I was, he had asked me to come and join him. Here I'm being mentored by a great man. I'm involved in a ministry called Men's Fraternity that he's just right. And it became internationally known. I'm seeing God work through our ministry in powerful and powerful ways. My wife and I are doing pretty well. We're having occasional sex. We share a checkbook. We got a couple of little kids. And uh, on the outside, we could go speak at conferences and people would buy what we're selling. Inside, we had trouble. And I didn't know how bad it was until I'm walking through my home one day and my bride reached out. She was sitting in the corner of bed and I'm scooting on by to head to the restroom. She reaches out, grabs my wrist and says, and I looked down at her chin's quiver. I said, babe, what's wrong? And I immediately think something's wrong with family. Someone died. She goes, bub, I don't love you anymore. And I'm scared to death. Mm. Yeah. 
And um, you know what? I have to be man enough to say that now all these years later. And here's why. I thank God that my bride gave me that gift. Too many of us, I, I, I still battle with this from time to time. Living as glorified roommates in a marriage is an easy temptation to fall into. It's easy. You got to fight for intimacy in marriage. Yeah. But God broke me and he showed me that there was sectors of my life that had never yet been dealt with by the power of God. And it was injurious to my soul, to my bride, especially. And, you know, I had a choice that day. I could rationalize everything that was going on. I could, could diminish what was going on. But God was convicting me yeah. that my life needed to change by the power and the grace of God. And so he reached into the shadows of my life. And I started realizing that it's easy to have lordship over the stuff that is man-sized. It's all God-sized, but it's easy to have lordship in the stuff that we think, oh, I can somehow manage this. But when your wife tells you, I don't love you and I'm scared to death, but I'm willing to fight for it. You know, here I am, Mr. Iditarod, man. I can get a dog team from Anchorage to Nome. I commercial, commercial fished eight seasons on the West Coast of Alaska. I worked in the oil fields 300 miles north of the Arctic Circle for uh, several years. I was born in Alaska by a man that took me to that state before it was a state. And yet here I am sitting there hearing my wife tell me she didn't love me anymore. And I feel I was gutted and I had no answers. Yeah. And it was on that day that I really began to see fully how God's power needs to be living in our life so that we can pull what's in the shadows, the shame, the heartache, the broken pieces, pull those in and let God do his amazing work. Amen. Amen. And I have to tell you, Carl, I, I, I had two takeaways from that chapter. So I read that and thought about that. Here's, here's the two takeaways for me. We can expend all the energy we have, use all the resources at our, at our disposal yeah. and be on the wrong path. God didn't put us on that path. We're, we're, and, and, and we're on a path that we think we're, we're honoring him, glorifying him. And, and so the second thing is when God finds us like that, he loves us enough that he's going to call us out. Yes, <laughs> he will. And, and brothers and sisters, we have got to be able to receive that it's it's the most loving rebuke you're ever going to receive it's going to sting it's going to hurt it's going to hurt but it's the most loving rebuke you ever receive in your life because the because the father wants to correct you because he sees where you're headed and it's a shipwreck it's it's mm -hmm. going to be tragic mm -hmm. and it's going to be ugly and he loves you enough to to jump in there and give yes. you that rebuke that's that was a beautiful chapter so that was wrecked. So, so chapter two, you, you titled recovery. I did. And um, so tell us about that, because as soon as we say recovery, uh -huh. especially in the context of church ministries, there's a whole bunch of ideas that begin to formulate. I know it drives me crazy. That's yeah. why I divulge in this chapter. I, as a pastor and a, a, any kind of a spiritual leader, I just need to tell you, I do not like the word recovery as in recovery ministry. Now, is somebody listening is going, you got to be kidding me. You don't like recovery. I got saved through recovery. No, 
I'm not diminishing recovery ministry. What we've done, though, in the church is we have bifurcated the church or trifurcated or quafurcated the church. And here's what we've done. We've got people in recovery ministry over here. These are the guys that are in recovery. They've got drugs. They've got sex addiction, addiction issues. They've got this. They've got that. And there's even some girls over there, don't you know? Ooh, those are recovery girls. That's This is tragic, Mike. It's yeah. tragic. And I'll tell you why. The serial gossip in the church lobby is as just as big a threat to Christendom and their own soul as the drug addict. They just don't know. it. The guy that plays fast and loose with the taxes, the, the person that can't seem to tell the truth, all they can do is lie to try to climb a ladder or they step on people on the way up. Listen, Mike, here's, and you know this, brother. We're all in recovery. <laughs> and when you have this notion that there's this little group over here in recovery and the rest of us is, here's what happens. It's, well, by golly, we're doing pretty good over here. You know, subconsciously we think, well, aren't we glad we aren't those sinners? Yep. Subconsciously we can think that. So what I try to encourage people with is that we're all in recovery. We all need the grace of God in our life. Yes. No one has arrived. And that we should all be seeing ourselves as one body in that way. Yeah, Amen. Let's let's get rid of the caste system. Oh, that we that we erect. Yeah, I wish I'd been talked to you before I wrote the book. I would have put the caste system in there. <laughs> hey, we're all beggars looking for bread, right, Carl? No, we are, and yet we found it in Jesus. Amen. So why would we then say, "Oh, that guy needs it"? I don't. No, That's we right. all need it. That's right. That's exactly right. So um, resolution one, that, yeah. and you, you know, we're going to have to have another conversation because there's no way we're going to get through all this, but, but that, it's I funny. we'll get as far as we can, but I, I so love, you know, sometimes you get on the radio with guys and they, they only see the grace of God as, as the power to save us. Mm. But being with you, you understand that the grace of God is the power to save us and to change us. And to change us. Yes. Amen. That, that's yeah. the key. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm here for you, man. If we get halfway yeah. through, fine. Yeah, I appreciate that, Carl. Yeah, and in fact, um, God's grace so impacted me way, way back in the day. Oh, that, tell me about it. That that He gave me the 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 name of the ministry going forward, the radio program, and 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 um, my ministry is called the Transforming Word. Because Oof. it's all about being transformed constantly, every day. Constantly, every day. Every day we're being transformed. So, so resolution number one, um, and these these seven resolutions, friends, and again, uh, I think the book's up there. These seven resolutions, um, Carl presents them as agreements. We, we are coming into agreement. There's power in agreement, friends. Yes. There is power, especially when you're agreeing with your heavenly father. So we're coming into agreement with the Lord, whereby we're going to walk with him regardless of what we're going through. Yeah. It's, it's all over the scriptures. We're just going to do that. We're going to agree to do that. Now that also means that our, our focus, our, our, our trust, our resolve are informed and filled with a settled assurance yes. of his presence. 
Yes. I, I, I so appreciate, Carl, that you encourage readers to appropriate these seven resolutions for themselves because that really is the key to Vic. Don't think they're for somebody else. Oh, I could never. No, the Father wants these just for yes. you, friends. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a great word. You know, joining God. Let me give the, the, the most fundamental passage I've ever seen for the grace of God. We talk about the word. It's right here. It's in Titus 2. Uh, you can't see it, but it's in Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. You know what? You'll pop it up. Have you got it in the ESV there, my friend? That would be great if you do. Oh, man, I love you got a production team and a half here. Right? <laughs> so in Titus 2, verse 11 and 12 is where I'm going to be here. Verse 11 and 12. We find what I believe to be two of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible on the grace of God and how it is to be leveraged in our life. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. I'll read it for you here. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit if we can. I think that's up on the screen there. Let's scroll on down to verse 11 and 12, Titus 2. Have you got it there, guys? Can you scroll a little bit? Looks like the screen's frozen. So I will read it. I will read it. For the grace of God has appeared. This is, what, this is what we hear right here. Paul talking to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, here's Amen. the kicker on this thing. Here's what's beautiful. The power of this is... A lot of us have said, okay, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, period. No, it's a comma, bringing salvation to all people. <laughs> comma, training us. What's training us? The mm -hmm. grace of God. Yes. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Amen. Here's Amen. what we do to join God. Yeah, and here's how this changes everything. When you see the grace of God is changing you, not only for salvation, but is also training you. So it's saving you and training you. Um, here is the key that you've got to remember, and I need you to get this right now. We never have to read the Bible to prove our love for God. We never have to pray to show God, oh God, I love you. Can you see me now? We don't have to fast to somehow convince God that we're on his side. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're seen yes. through the screen of the shed blood of Christ. Now, the only thing we need to do, the only thing we need to do is appropriate, I like that word that you use, appropriate the grace that's been given us Amen. for training. And here's what I always say. Bible reading, prayer, study, fasting, all the spiritual disciplines, none of them are for us to prove our love to God. Exactly. They are how God screams his love to us. Amen. The word so that he can say, I want to show you, I love you. It's right here. Amen. We pray so that we can, you know, I, I'm a commercial fisherman, so I'm used to it this way. And I use this metaphor. You know, we have this thing called a VHF radio. I'm going to use my cell phone here. Imagine this is my, my radio mic, and I'm talking into it. And we would key the mic, press it down on a very high-frequency radio in Bristol Bay, Alaska. Key it down. And we'd say, um, uh, 
uh, Toku, Toku, this is the uh, uh, GNM. I fished on the GNM. Toku, Toku, GNM. Now, we were out one time in the fog, horrible fog, but deep seas. So we had to be in, we had to be careful. Mm-hmm. My captain got on Toku, Toku, GNM, and then he let go of the microphone and he heard back. Over a series of holding it down, now we've got a very high frequency for radio. What do you guys not do there in studio? <laughs> for crying out loud. Um, so through a series of phone uh, 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 communications through this VHF radio, depressing it, giving our coordinates, lifting it, and listening, we got our way into safe harbor. Here's what happens, Mike. We have told Christians that praying is all about yakking. It's about listening as much as it is talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so joining God is, is the converse, and this is the most fundamental resolution. When you commit to joining God, you're committing to saying, God, I'm clinging to you in utter desperation. Yes. I am not trying to be diligent in my power. I'm going to cling to you in dependence and out of this dependence, I'm going to be diligent. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, grace is not against effort. Grace is against earning. Yes. So grace doesn't mean that you won't (laughs) bust your tail for Jesus, but it does mean that you don't have to earn anything. That's right. So you don't pray and read the Bible to prove that you're a good Christian. That's right. God's proven that when he bled on the cross. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's yes. Precisely friends. That sums up the whole thing right there. God is all about transformation. He's not trying to improve you where you at. He's trying to transform you and, and, and continue this process of, Hey, listen, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are. But there's experiential sanctification. There's this transformation that's continuing to go on. And and the father delights, delights in pouring out into his sons and daughters and watching that could just, this is so wonderful, Carl. The the, the book. It's, it's, you know, Mike, it's so, it is such a joy to be with you. And I'm not trying to blow smoke here. The fact is, um, this is the message that's going to bring a remnant together in America. Yes. Amen. This is this is the only message that will. I'm in exactly. Chicago. I'm in such a post-Christian city right now. Oh, oh. Yes. we're so post-Christian. Christianity isn't in the rearview mm-hmm. mirror in Chicago. Yeah. But but that's okay because the listen, you take you take a few hundred people in a city of Chicago that are living totally surrendered to the notion that God is continuing to transform us as your, as your show is branded. It's no telling what God can do with those folks. That's right. Yes. A- amen. Amen. So, so that was joining God. That's resolution yeah. number one, friends. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll get to two, at least today. Yeah. Resolution number two is, is think truth, think truth. Now, yeah. In, 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 in this chapter, Carl, you, you talk about two of the most destructive things that, that we entertain um, as, as people. And you would think that spirit-filled Christians would know better, mm-hmm. but you talk about self-loathing and yeah. you talk about self-evaluating. The, the, the battle for 
for transformation is fought every day right here between our, ears. our minds isn't it yeah you know it's it's romans 12 1 and 2 be transformed by the renewing of our mind okay yes. um set your mind on things above colossians 3 3 i believe yeah uh or maybe 3 2. um the mind renewal process is enormous and you're right yeah. you're either going to be self-elevating like i got it together or mm -hmm. self-loathing yes in fact i like to describe it this way god has called us to think truth and it's almost akin to climbing a high ridge okay yes um yep. god wants us to be climbing a high ridge i climbed a ridge one time with a group of friends i'm terrified of heights i was actually climbing a mountain to a uh, to a mine shaft in uh, outside of anchorage alaska and i was climbing it to an old iron ore mine shaft that had gold traces and it had never been as we i found out i got up to it there was a there were axes and gloves that the guys had set down pickaxes when they walked away from the mine about 60 years before that were just sitting there on the side of the mine wall how trippy is that wow it's wow. just crazy Yes. But we, but we, um, we got up there and we're getting close. And at the last little stretch before we get into the mine shaft, I like, oh no, because I have a fear of heights, mm. a real fear of heights. When I got to scamper up a ridge that's six inches wide, with a with a with a steep pitch off one side that if you fall you're gonna die, and the other side if you fall you wish you would have fallen on the other side because you might as well be dead. Yeah. So I'm I didn't know what to do, Mike. So I did the only thing I could do. I draped myself like a wet rag over the center rail in a sink, in a stainless steel sink in a kitchen. I just went like a wet rag. I went hand right, hand left, leg right, leg left. And I just plopped down on my belly like a wet rag on that ridge. And I just did a centipede scooch up that ridge. My friends were laughing at me. They're mocking me. And I'm saying, hey, I don't care what you say. I'm going to get up to my shaft and I'm going to live. So here's what we do, though. We fall off either side of thinking truth. One is we self-loathe and that takes us to our peril. Or one is we, the other one is we self-elevate and it takes us to our peril. Yes. The interesting thing about pride, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's exactly right. Amen. It, it's, Amen. It's tough because here's the problem. A lot of people don't want to know this, but God loves you enough to freeze your prayers out when you're stuck in pride. He will freeze you out. And uh, yeah, so thinking truth. Oh, my goodness. My wife always says this, and it's so good. She says we need to help people learn how to re-wallpaper their mind with truth because what you think about today will be lived out in your life tomorrow. And it's true. Yes, yes that's right. Yeah. We got to have the word in our mind. I wish more people, Carl, would understand the the print the truth that, that you just spoke, that that God will freeze us out yep. if we refuse to deal with something. There, there are so many passages in the scripture that tell us that. And, and the reason that he does that, friends, is because he doesn't want us to continue on in this this self-deception mode thinking that everything's fine and we can go on and serve him and be happy and life's going to be grand and then all these issues start popping up and we're wondering what's going on lord and we start pointing fingers and then we get discouraged and then we go into depression it's like no wait a minute 
we need to discuss this back here. Yes. Let's 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 deal with this right here so that we can then move on. But we need to keep a clean slate with the Lord at all times. And that starts right here. It does. It does. And, you know, don't think, oh, boy, I've got to I, this is going to be painstaking. Actually, no. Uh, according to First John one nine, he's faithful to that's uh, right and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen. And here's the problem with this: we don't really take God at His word. We don't we don't think that He really does want to cleanse us of all unrighteousness through confession, but He does. But He does. And that's exactly right. And I think that's uh, well. Part of the issue there, Carl, as you already know, part of the issue is that is is that 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 we're we know our own shortcomings and how difficult it is to forgive, yeah. and uh, we kind of think God's that way, and He isn't. He is extravagant in yes. His in His love and forgiveness. For Mike, us. Mike, the longer I work with you, the more I think you're an absolute spiritual hot dog. You are fantastic, man. I, I, God honestly, bless you, Carl. Really. His grace has been lavished on us. Mm -hmm. We put ourselves oftentimes in a penalty box. We, we are on two sides. Either we ignore what's in the shadows to our own peril, and God's trying to get our attention, and he'll withhold blessing. He loves mm -hmm. us that much. It's right. like a super functional father. Yes. But, or, or, we, or we think we somehow have to pay a penance. No. Do you, do you maybe have to um, make amends with people over sin that you've done? Sure. sure. Might have to do that. But the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. But don't sit, don't sit on the couch and beat yourself up after That's you right. just went gluttonous after that one pound bag of chips. Don't do that. <laughs> Get on your knees, crunkle up that bag, throw it in the trash, and and call a friend and say, "Could we believe God to get victory over this thing?" But I'm not going to sit in condemnation anymore. Amen. Amen. That's that's exactly right. Well, that's a good segue into resolution number three: kill sin. So. So yeah. in that chapter, Carl, you give readers a three-step process to address yep. sin. Yep. Um, because if, it, if, if we leave it unchecked, it's going to destroy us, friends. We, yep. we, we got to understand that. So the three-step process, and then I'll let you uh, discuss this. The three-step process is, first of all, expose it. Secondly, attack it. And then thirdly, overwhelm us. Yeah. Yeah. This is so awesome. Um, Robert Lewis, again, a friend of mine, and Erwin uh, Lutzer both thought this this was the most important chapter. They say we do not, we do not. They say they were saying we we try to manage sin, we push it into the shadows, mm -hmm. we rationalize it away, but we don't we don't deal with it. There's yeah. three dominant ways that we find in the scripture. You got to expose it. I don't care if you're looking at James five or First John, like we just saw First John mm -hmm. one nine. It doesn't matter where you look. Bringing things into the light of day is the only, that's the first step. Yes. If you try to, you know, we used to, when I lived in South Africa for a year and our, our daughter, was, our son was already born. Our daughter was born down there. I was coaching our multiracial track and field team and planting churches. And you know what? We had cockroaches down there, lots right. of them. Mm -hmm. But I, if I would have walked into the kitchen at night and decided I'm going to go cockroach hunting at night, no lights on, no light to see anything, um, and I just whack at the floor, <laughs> ain't nothing going to die. That's right. I'm just whacking at the floor. Yeah. And with our own spiritual life, yes, the cockroaches try to run. But if you, by God's grace, have a secured perimeter, 
unbelievable stuff will happen. And I, so let me let me just attack these three real quick. Expose it, bring it in the light, attack it. Mm -hmm. Some people say, what do you mean attack it? I mean what Jesus said. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Your arm mm -hmm. causes you to sin, cut it off. Don't take it literal, whatever you do. I don't, I don't have money for your hospital bills. Don't do that. <laughs> but it is called hyperbole. Yes. The hyperbole here is that we're called to, we are called to take extreme measures to kill what's killing us. I've had, I've helped men make smartphones into dumb phones so that they didn't have a server at the ready to get porn picked up. Yes. I've helped, uh, I've had the privilege of helping people and people have helped me with money issues just by being honest. All right, this is what I got sorted out here. You know, just bring it into the light. We had a woman that had spending issues gave gave her friends her credit cards then she had to show them because she was doing end arounds going walk straight into the bank so now yes she had to show them bank statements mm -hmm. guess what god got a victory but the third thing is in one verse the most powerful verse of how to deal with sin it's galatians chapter 5 16 and your super sharp crew is probably going to have this up in two seconds and since they will, I'm going to read it verbatim because I don't want to catch them me being fast and loose with the word of God here. So there it is. Well, you got it right there. Now I'm going to read it out of the ESV and it's really close. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, close enough, walk by the spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Did you hear that? That's oh my goodness. What a promise. Amen. So if you're struggling with if you're struggling with gratifying the desires of the flesh, Paul says, walk by the Holy Spirit and you won't do it anymore. Amen. And, you know, I try to spend some time in there talking about what this walking by the spirit looks like. But at the end of the day, that's about humble dependence and being aware of living not here, but living here. And I'm not talking about being holier than thou. I'm talking about understanding thou art holy, but he is. That's right. And, and really tapping into that power. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly what the Father desires for you, friends. Yeah. He desires that for you. He wants you to walk that higher level life. He wants you to have victory over these things that, that people struggle with. And, and part of the reason for that, friends, is because he wants you to be a testimony his grace and mercy. He wants you to shine that light so that other people will be drawn to him through you. That's the whole point. And when you are humble before him, he's going to use you in that way, friends. Yes, he, he really is. Brother Carl, I so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Mike, thank you for the privilege of being with you tonight. I really enjoyed it as well. Well, thank you, brother. And, the, and again, friends, the book, there we go. Seven Resolutions. Say no to self-help. Say yes to God's power. <laughs> this is fantastic. Please share this show with your friends and go to Carl's website and get the book. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.